Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to Should Have Been Thursdays. I'm Courtney. And I'm Kelly. Cheers. Cheers. That's so cheesy. I love us. Thank you guys for joining us. If it's your first time, we're happy to have you here. Just a quick reminder, we're never serious, and we're always trying to find the hilarious moments in an otherwise serious world. So, Kelly, guess how many listens we're up to? Four. Okay. hundred. Oh. Okay, well, I tagged you and you shared a post where we're up to 500, so... Good guess. You know me. I'm always on top of social media. 649 lessons. I mean, that's great. I'm happy about that. Okay. And listen, listeners, um, I I listened to a podcast this week. I've had a podcast. And they call their listeners now forced listeners. So forced listeners, the people we forced to listen to this. There's a special treat when we hit 1,000. Um, I'm going to go back to the origins of the should have been Thursday movement. I'm going to bring on my favorite lesbian, Haley, because she was the reason I started should have been a lesbian Thursdays. And she's been asking when she can come on here. And I said, when we hit a thousand, so one K we're almost there. So Haley, hang on, hang tell on your for friends, one more day. Yes. Tell your moms, tell your dads. Listen to this podcast. That's right. (laughs) So we're getting there. One roast and one embarrassing story at a time. And today we have two extra people at our round table, our husbands, and they've been given strict instructions on what kind of uh, commentary they can provide. So, but we're we're happy they're here, right? (laughs) As in none. (laughs) Only laughter. Only laughter. All right. So Kelly... Kick it yes, off ma'am. like we always do. What are you aspiring to be this week? Well, Courtney, I'm going to switch it up this week. Yes, I'm so excited. You, you always prefer when I use sports mm-hmm. as my aspiring. I am going to switch it up. So, I mean, I've shared before. I'm very into T-Swift. Love mm-hmm. her songs. But I actually, I really love the way she writes songs. I am an aspiring songwriter. Oh, my God. I, I cannot, I'm not creative. I pretty much probably can't write a song at all. But um, when I was in middle school, I had this teacher that probably five to six times a year, he did weeks where he did lyrical analysis weeks. Okay. And he would play songs of the current time, 80s, 90s. I'm not that old. Um, and... <laughs> You had to listen to the song. You would play it two or three times, and then you had to write a paragraph about what that song was about. Oh, nice. Okay. And ever since then, I have fully appreciated lyrics and songs, so I always listen to the songs and figure out what they're about. Oh. So, so what, uh, you what know, genre are you going with? Just wait. Um, I mean, look, I'm. it's either going to go one of two directions. Yeah. It's either going to go straight up pop or rap. Gangster rap. And... Since I am a hardcore gangster, we'll talk about rap in a future episode. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yes, I could very much go down the rap route, and I think I could be a pretty good rap songwriter. Well, you can really just rap in general. But it's going to have a vanilla ice flair. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, we're yes. going to have to get a clip of you rapping on here. I mean, I, we haven't <laughs> talked about the dugout ever on this podcast. But we, we, that's not true. We love the dugout. We support the dugout. It's the local watering hole here. 
and they have karaoke on Saturdays and all of our friends are frequenters of the karaoke bar. So Kelly does a mean rap when she gets on the microphone. So I look forward to that for your own original song you perform at the dugout. That would be a good starting point to debut a song. <laughs> at the dugout. Yeah. You After midnight, after probably, I don't know, four to five shots. Buttery nips. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. <laughs> Cocks and nips. <laughs> And it just starts pouring out of Kelly. cocks, little nips. That's the guy, right. The guy with his no, 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 no. to be there, though. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. The world's not ready for that story. <laughs> That's our 2,000th listen. Yeah, 2,000th listen. We'll talk about things that happened before, during, and after the dugout on a dugout night. So, um, you know, shout out to Judy. <laughs> okay, so for this week, like episodes past, my should have been is kind of linked a little bit to a movie. Thank you, William. Um, have you ever seen Drop Dead Gorgeous? It's got Kirsten Dunst and Denise Richards. Oh, crap. No, it's been I a long time. I, I think I had it on VHS, but I love it. I have it on DVD now. Oh, so you're clearly older than me. That's right. Um, yeah. No, I don't think I have. You're the young one, and I'm the funny one. <laughs> So, okay, in this movie, it's about a beauty pageant, and Kirsten Dunst, her talent in the beauty pageant is tap dancing, and she tries to tap dance wherever she can, like, to practice for the pageant, and so at her job, she tap dances the whole time because she puts makeup on dead people before their funeral, so she's, like, in, like, this little, like, room. Mortician. Hey, LB, I told you. You said be helpful. That's not helpful. You're ruining the punchline for the should have been. Oh, sorry. So I'm I'm going to need you to zip that pretty little mouth and only laugh. Okay. So anyway, she does makeup on dead people and tap dancers the whole time. And I've been working in like retail and with the public since I was 14 years old. I can't tell you how wonderful it sounds for my job to be with someone who can't argue, complain, fill out a comment card. Like that doesn't seem like such a bad route to go. So this week for my should have been, it's already been ruined, but I'm going to say (laughs) I should have been a mortician. No way. I didn't know you were going to say that. (laughs) Right. I know LB. Okay. So um, before I tell a story, you got any stories about morticians or should I just go straight into my personal story? I think you should go straight to it. I'm <laughs> yeah, let me not tell you. sure I have many. <laughs> when I told Kelly that. we were going to do this episode, she told me we should rethink it. <laughs> so we'll see what everybody Is else it thinks. About morticians? Who invited him? <laughs> you did. Okay. So I have a personal story about being a mortician. It was Thanksgiving, probably 15 or more years ago, and my mom was in her full-on Robzilla mode where she's, like, cooking in the kitchen all day, stressing out, cleaning, decorating. I mean, she she makes it nice. She Dorinda medleys every holiday for us. Like, I call her Robzilla, but she really does a great job with the holidays. So, my- I wonder where you get it from. Oh, what a compliment. (laughs) Not the Robzilla part. (laughs) No, I'm a courtzilla, trust me. (laughs) 
<laughs> Suter's like leaf blow in the attic. And I'm like, there's 150 people coming in 30 minutes. Is there something better we could be doing right now? Um, but anyway, she was in full on Robzilla mode. And my grandmother was visiting from Pittsburgh. Here we go, Steelers. And she brought her old man friend. And if you're wondering what an old man friend is, it's when you're like over 70 and you have a boyfriend but you feel uncomfortable calling him a boyfriend, you call him an old man friend. So her old man friend Earl was visiting with us for Thanksgiving. So the men are all back in the man cave while mom is like basically bossing around all her offspring. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Bill. That's a nice little laugh. And she's making everything beautiful and delicious. And it's like go time, right? So she's, she's telling me like, put the ice in the cups you know, she's getting out the turkey and she tells my little brother, Alex, she's like, go get the guys out of the man cave. So here he goes back there while we're doing like the finishing touches in the kitchen. And and he's like, Hey guys, dinner time. And they all come out except for Earl. So Alex notices Earl doesn't come out, you know, where this is going. And he goes back in the man cave and he's like, Oh, Earl's asleep. So he kind of like raises his voice like, Hey Earl, you know, like dinner's ready. Nothing. So he like naturally inches a little closer and even louder says it again, still nothing. So then he screams. We can hear him in the kitchen. Earl, dinner is ready. Like screaming it. Nothing. So that's the moment when Alex realizes that Earl is dead. Right? Not just sleeping. He beelines it out of there, comes into the kitchen and is like frantically whispering to my mom. He's like, mom, mom, mom. Earl's dead. Earl's dead. Like he's dead. And my mom, rightfully so, stops. And she's like, Alex, I don't have time for this. Go poke him or something. See if like he's just sleeping. (laughs) And he refuses to do it. And this whole time, my mom is holding this huge ass finished, beautiful looking turkey, like fighting with my brother, like trying to balance the, it's like a whole scene. Right. And so I see them and I'm nosy AF. So I come over there. I was like, what are y'all, what are y'all whispering about? And Alex was like, Earl's dead in the man cave. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. And I see my mom's face, like it's starting to register and she's like starting to panic. So I'm like, Alex, why don't you go like shake him? Alex's like, absolutely not. Why don't you go shake him? And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm scarred from cadaver labs in pharmacy school. I'm never touching a dead person. So Robin being the problem solver she is, she's like, Team, this is like her work mode. She's like, I am in work mode. Team, what are we going to do? Like, what was the next step? And because I'm an asshole and zero help in a crisis, the only thing I can think about is that Earl was wearing denim black capri pants. And what an unfortunate outfit to die in. (laughs) Like, that's all I can think about. Total asshole. I mean, that's all I could think about. And like, they're over there like devising a plan. My mom's like, we'll, we'll loop your dad in. And then we'll tell your grandma that old man friend has straight up ruined Thanksgiving by dying before the <laughs> prayer, like all this stuff. Like I imagine my mom being like, hey, Nana, the turkey's still hot, but curls, Carl, Earl, I just said his real name. <laughs> <laughs> Earl's getting cold in the man cave. So anyway, so. We're we're all kind of freaking out a little bit. Me, my mom, my brother, and all of a sudden we hear, "Sure smells delicious in here." And we turn around, 
And it's like Earl raised from the dead. We scream because we, you know, we're like panic, like fight or flight panic that he's dead. And so we scream and then we all laugh. And like my mom's trying not to like, damn, you drop the turkey, like all this stuff. And Earl thinks he's like hilarious. He has this big smile on his face like he made a great joke. I mean, God bless his black denim capri pant heart. Like he was a great guy. <laughs> but like that's an example of my crazy ass family. I love them so much. But that was my should have been a mortician story. That's not the main story. That's he was so deaf though. Yeah, bless he was. Yeah, bless his heart. Bless his black denim capri pant. Really nice <laughs> he was a great guy. Did you come up with the Earl like fake name from the Dixie Chicks? Because <laughs> Earl had to die. <laughs> oh man, no, that's awfully morbid. I did not. I was thinking because Earl's kind of like an inside joke with my family. Like we love that show. My name is Earl. <laughs> So I thought when they were listening, they'd get like an extra chuckle, but I should have. He has unfortunately since really. Well, he would be like 102. Yeah, he might be alive somewhere. He He might have faked his death to get away from my family. Continue wearing those capris. (laughs) Okay. He's probably wearing those capri pants in heaven. You know? Okay. Yeah. Giving you the finger. Yeah. Like, I hear what you're saying down there about me. Okay, all right. Today's main story is entirely from a listener. So it was sent to me via social media. The names and locations have changed. I'm assuming the story was true before it got to me. I'm embellishing it more. Um, But it is crazy. I promise everybody for this crazy story. So I'm going to try to tell it in all its glory. And you'll see how it relates to being a mortician. Okay? So everybody ready? Ready, Kel? Sure. Let's take it back. Let's take it back way back to like 20 years ago. And this listener was in college. Okay. So she was one of three girls in a suite from, from what I can deduce. Sarah, Kim, and Lydia. So they're roommates, freshmen in college, typical college girls, having fun, going to class, so on and so forth. Kim and Sarah don't have a boyfriend. Lydia is still dating her her high school boyfriend when she gets to college, Laz. And they date for some time. I, I think he must have been military or something because they get engaged very soon. Um, I think he must have gotten deployed. I'm not exactly sure, but they get engaged very early on. Like she's like 19 or something and they're engaged. And like a lot of those engagements, it doesn't work out. Like he's a great guy or whatever. She sounds like a nice girl, but it just didn't work out. And the roommates loved him. They were like sad to see him go, but it was fine. Everything was fine. They live their lives or whatever. And before they graduate, Lydia has a new serious boyfriend. Charlie. Okay. So you've got Lydia and Charlie and Kim and Sarah and they're, they're friends from the beginning. They all stay friends. They get to know Charlie also love him. He's amazing. So fast forward, they graduate, they go off, they do their lives. This is before Facebook. You couldn't really keep up with people the way you can now as like a, uh, like an observer, like how I like to observe people that I wouldn't actually be friends with in real life anymore. Okay. They don't have that. They don't have that luxury. They actually do stay in touch and stay close friends. So Lydia is the first to get married. She marries Charlie. Kim and Sarah are bridesmaids. And I think they move to like Florida or something after they get married and they stay in touch. And just like all girlfriends do, she kind of shares the ups and downs about 
new married life and everything. You know how girlfriends do. But in the end, she's like happily married and they're all really happy for her and Charlie. And everything is like Kathy Hilton hunky dory. All good. Okay. So another year or two goes by and it's an inside joke. It's for my Bravo girls. Oh. <laughs> okay. So a couple PT years. Dubs, that's right. Beverly Hills. That's right. Tonight. I have a very distinct demographic they would, they would get it <laughs> so a couple years go by and the girls stay close and now it's sarah's turn she's got a serious boyfriend she gets engaged to her boyfriend abe so sarah asks kim who's still single and lydia who's married to charlie to be her bridesmaids and you know at first there's like the engagement party and the, all of the fun things that you can do like with other couples and then charlie comes to all that it's all really fun then it becomes just the girl stuff, like the bachelorette party and like the like lingerie showers that people do and stuff. Like, so Charlie doesn't come to those, just Lydia. And they're, they're on the bachelorette party, right? And uh, naturally Lydia comes by herself to that. And she's like confiding in the girls that like the marriage isn't going great. And there's definitely like trouble in paradise. And, and Sarah from what I can tell, I don't know any of these people personally, but Sarah was like very nice and like wanted to like console her or whatever. And, and Kim was nice too, but she, it was like her duty as a bridesmaid to like redirect everything on a positive note. You know, you're on your bachelor party. You right. only get to do that once. You don't want to sit around and hear about how your friend's marriage isn't going great. So, um, they do all of that. Nothing that abnormal. We've all been there with friends who have said things like that. Okay, so it's the wedding day, right? And Sarah and Abe are getting married. Picture everybody in their, like, robes or their button-up shirts so they don't mess up their updos. This was probably 15-plus years ago. So mimosas in their champagne flutes, Mariah on the iPod Touch, you know, like you did 15 years ago. Things are like p- picture perfect. It's all going to plan. Sarah's setting up to have a beautiful wedding. When all of a sudden, Lydia drops a bomb. She explains, I have not been completely honest with you guys. Okay. She says, I didn't know how to tell you the truth. I've been covering up my feelings and emotions by saying that we had like a rocky troublesome marriage um and then she like breaks down into tears and like can't they don't she's like they can't even get her to talk she's on sarah's wedding day sarah's wedding day lydia sounds like a stellar friend (laughs) and so she's having a rough day she is she's having a rough day so she's like inconsolable they can't understand what she's saying and they get her calmed down and she admits that Things weren't really rocky, but that Charlie had died. He had died tragically in a work-related accident several weeks ago on the job, of course. And she didn't know how to tell them because she was so raw and emotional that it was easier just to say they were having marriage troubles. And for some... What? What? Not what I thought that was going to be. <laughs> I told you the story's crazy. So so she said that, like, it was just really hard for her to go to all these, like, wedding-related events when she had just recently become a widow, right? Which makes sense if that's what happened. And so 
she said she was trying to grieve and cope with the loss of her husband and the anticipation of the wedding getting ready to start was more than she could handle. She just had to let the friends know. Like on that day, she couldn't let it wait any longer. They had to know that Charlie had actually died. Okay. How Heart- close were they? Yeah, they were bridesmaids. <laughs> yep. Right. So obviously super close. Okay. Okay. So it's it's heartbreaking. It's kind of strange. And mostly as like someone not involved at all hearing the story, it's very unfortunate, the bad timing for you to say your husband has died minutes, hours before your friend, the bride, is walking down the aisle. Sure. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm just picturing them all like crying as she's telling this. Like she's really emotional. All this like mascara is like running down their face. So at this point, no one knows how to handle the situation. And I've thought about asking what would Kelly's do at this point, but I'm worried you'll give it away. So I'm going to keep going. Well, I have no freaking clue. I know, but you're, you will guess it because you're just like that in tune with me. We can speak without talking. Okay. So at this point, no one knows how to handle the situation and they're all kind of looking to the bride like, okay, we're going to let Sarah kind of take the lead on this. So on her wedding day, Sarah is comforting Lydia holding her, telling her how sorry she is, how hard it must have been for her to just have all these wedding-related events thrown in her face. Sarah's apologizing that she wasn't there for her. Kim is doing the same thing, like really, really upset. Remember, they all know Charlie, and they like him a lot, and they're all like a depressed mess. This is a lot to take in. So... Sarah decides there needs to be some kind of transition, like an appropriate transition on her wedding day. So being the angel on earth, she has been described to me as she goes and gets the pastor that's about to marry her and asks him if he will pray for Lydia and with Lydia to try to give her some like peace during the ceremony. And I'm sure Sarah's like, you don't have to do this anymore if you don't want to. I totally understand. But she wants to be in the wedding. She wants to continue on. So the preacher prays with them, the pastor, like, which is just really sweet and selfless of Sarah to be doing this on her own wedding day. So she gets, Lydia gets all this comfort and gets herself together. Like it takes a minute, but they're all like ready for the wedding. So Sarah's being all nice. Kim being nice also, but she's got a lot of questions. Okay. So Kim's like putting out of her mind, they've got to get through this wedding, but she feels like she's been punched in the gut. So not only has her friend been silently coping with this tragic loss without them, the group has also lost someone they loved and adored. And without being insensitive, Kim is a little angry that Lydia didn't tell them and why she chose to bring it up right before Sarah's wedding. So, I mean, Kim's first thought is she's going to try to figure out if there's a memorial service coming up or what she can do to like pay her respects to someone who she considered a friend. Again, no Facebook, no Instagram, but still, how did no one let Kim and Sarah know about this? So, You know, a simple phone call from a secondary, tertiary friend, family member. She feels like someone should have called her. She's like angry a little bit. But, you know, she's stifling this because you got to table your emotions and opinions. Be there for Lydia. 
steer things back in the positive direction on the wedding day, just like she had done at the bachelor party. And Sarah deserves to have the wedding of her dreams, despite everything, the drama. So Kim is going to put a pin in it, process this, and come back to it later. So they're in wedding mode. It's a beautiful ceremony. Kim and Lydia watch Sarah marry the man of her dreams. And Kim Kim said that during the ceremony, she couldn't help but feel sorry for Lydia, like having to be there as a recent widow, watching her friend get married. So the wedding ends, the reception starts. And Lydia did a great job holding it together during the wedding. Um, only like the appropriate amount of tears as a bridesmaid. And before the reception, before the bridal party gets announced, Lydia comes up to Kim and Sarah and she's like, can I talk to you two before we go in there? Her timing is on point. She's a great person. So Kim's defenses are a little up at this point. Like she's like, I don't know if we should go have any more discussion before your reception. But Sarah's like, "Uh, let's talk to her. So they pull her, they, she pulls them aside and she said, there's something else you have to know before we go in there. <laughs> there's someone coming to the reception that I'd like for you guys to meet. Like, since Charlie couldn't come. The army guy. I bought a, bought a plus one. That's a good guess. So, so she, wait, the widow. The widow wants them to know when they get into the reception, she's brought a date. The date is coming to the reception, and they're all going to meet him. Nice. Like, is she the maid of honor? I don't know. <laughs> but hold the phone. Kim immediately is floored. She's like, what the hell? Why would you bring a date? We just found out hours ago that Charlie's dead. <laughs> and awkwardly, they get into the reception. They meet her date. And he's fine, whatever. But they're all just like, their head's a buzz. And Lydia introduces her date to the bride and groom. But to give them credit, they're... You know what your wedding night is like. It's a whirlwind. You don't remember who you meet. I mean, who you talk to. You don't eat. So it's just them living their wedding life. And Kim is just festering in all of this. And she's watching Lydia dance and flirt with this guy she's brought when just hours earlier, she had the whole bridal party in tears talking about Charlie's tragic death. So Yeah. So the night goes on, throw the rice, and the strange, beautiful night ends. Okay. So fast forward. In 2000, though, they were throwing rice. It's killing birds. (laughs) It does kill birds. You're right, LB. Um, We did bubbles, I think. It's way better. You still let go of balloons, but that kills birds. No, I think that kills, yeah, ducks. Everything apparently kills birds. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So they sleep on it. Kim sleeps on it. And she's, she wakes up and she's like, I know I've watched Sarah go through a lot for her wedding weekend, but I have to talk to them about this. So she goes to Sarah and Abe's suite in the morning and they get to talking about how bizarre everything was the day before. And Abe is kind of like not in on the story. I guess it wasn't like something they talked about when they got back to the honeymoon suite that night. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> right. Romantic, sexy. So Sarah had told him like bits and pieces, but he was mostly in the dark. So they fill him in and, and Kim's like, basically here's the breakdown. Lydia said their marriage was in jeopardy. Then Lydia said their marriage, wa- marriage wasn't in jeopardy because Charlie was dead. And then Lydia brought a new date to the reception. And Abe is not as quick to accept all of this. Like the wedding glow and haze is gone. He's not like 
in the same mindset as all of them. So to make a connection here, Abe and Charlie have the same job, just in different states. And I think it's like high risk. I don't know if it's like underwater welding. I'm not sure what it is, but they have the same job. And so Abe was like, if he died on the job, it's going to be on the internet. I think there was obviously worldwide web. He was like, so let's ask Jeeves or whatever the hell we did back then. <laughs> Before you could Google. Style up on our modem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's ask Jeeves. Is this guy Charlie, did this guy Charlie die? Or maybe, I think this was probably before funeral homes had obituaries online, like that whole thing. I think people were still getting like papers delivered, but they can't find anything. Which back then, for my young listeners, the sleuthing was not the same as it is now. No. Nothing was readily at your fingertips that was like informative at all. It was You all- had to go to like the library and get one of the... <laughs> It was like microfilm, microfilm thing, microfiche, (laughs) and look through it on the big machine. You'd have to sit there for hours. Yeah. Looking for stuff. Scrolling through the newspaper. This is how we used to do book reports. That's right. We're old as shit. Yeah, we are. So are these people. I mean, like. That was only 20, even at best, in 2000, that was 23 years ago. That's right. You're good at math, babe. Fair. So, so Abe, Abe is still questioning this. He's like, okay, well, we didn't find it. And they all agree it's strange. So the death was kept secret for weeks. She's got a new date. None of it checks for him. But Sarah, kind Sarah is like, you know, we're, we're her friend. We were his friend. We need to try to be supportive. And Abe was like, you know what? You're right. Sarah's going to be the hero. I can tell. Abe's like, you know, you're right. Um, Lydia has a really long drive back to Florida. I bet on their answering machine, which you know is what we had back in the day, I bet there's like a message that says, thank you so much for calling us. If you're calling about the charity to donate to or when, you know, it's probably a little like verbal obituary on their answering machine. And I remember this, like it would be like if you were RSVPing to the Carmack Christmas party, leave a message at the beep. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, that's how it used to be uh, like the diner like the deli that you used to have, like you would call the number, you know? So again, young people don't know what this was like, but it was an answering machine in your home that you would record a personal message on similar to voicemail, but different. Okay. So Abe's like, let's call that and see what we can do. You're right. We're being assholes. We should do something to support them. So they call the landline, you know, back in prehistoric times, dinosaurs roaming the earth. Here they are calling the landline. And they're waiting for the answering machine to pick up. And guess what happens? Charlie picks up. Charlie answers the phone. (laughs) 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 Earl. Crazy. Right. This is insane. Okay. So Sarah goes in mortician mode. Pure panic because she's speaking to a dead person, right? So she's like rambling and mumbling. I missed you at the wedding. I wanted to call, make sure that um, Lydia made a home okay, blah, blah, blah. Shooting from the hip, right? She's just blindsided. They're all floored. They hang up. She does not know how to proceed. She is disgusted, confused, betrayed, and like there's no solution. (laughs) They're like... We don't know what to do. You guys go to Fiji or like Gatlinburg, wherever you're going. 
<laughs> Wherever you're going on your honeymoon. We'll talk about this when you get back. Nothing but wrong with going to Gallenberg. I love Gallenberg. Look, don't get me started. So Kim gets her stuff together to drive back to her house. And on the ride home, her Nokia cell phone rings. And it's a number she doesn't know, so she answers it. And guess who it is? Lydia. No, Charlie. Damn it. Close, though. Charlie's calling her. She's in the car. She's trapped. She's answered the phone. This is before you would, like, save people's numbers, right? What would Kelly's do? What would the Kelly's do if you – he knows that Kim was in the room when Sarah called him. Oh, well, look. And he knows something's up. He doesn't know what's up. They don't tell him. What, what, what do you do, Kelly? What do you do? Both versions of me in this situation uh-huh. are going to tell him what is up, which is your wife came to this party, <laughs> said you were dead, and brought a date. Therefore, you should pack up your stuff mm-hmm. and leave that house. Mm-hmm. I or think that's what her I, stuff. Or pack up her stuff and <laughs> kick it the shit out. Well, William, yeah. that's exactly what happens. Nice. Oh, straight up, like straight out of the movies where you throw it out the window and then you light it on fire. Well, I, I think she just decides in that moment he needs to know the truth. Because this isn't like a surface friendship. They're friends. They've been friends since college. Years have gone by, you know, they've built this friendship. So she starts with the events where Lydia said they were having trouble in their marriage, like the bachelorette party and the showers and stuff. And then she tells him that Lydia told all of them that all that was a cover up because he tragically died in an accident at work, which um, is strange to him. That's bad enough to hear that your wife has done that. And then they said they stopped the pre-wedding process to pray for Lydia and for Charlie's soul. God rest it. Hopefully it's in heaven. And then this is the part where I imagine Kim having a big moment of mental crossroads, like being told that someone faked your death is bad enough, right? Do you say she also brought a date? Oh, yes. After their soul has been prayed for. Yes. Yeah. She deserves it all yeah yeah i mean can you imagine being kim though like kim's in the middle of all this but she loves it yeah she does i mean she sent me the story so obviously <laughs> she's secretly in love with charlie no that's not where this goes <laughs> she does decide to be fully transparent she tells charlie that when they got to the reception that lydia had brought a date like an actual man she was chummy with and dancing with all night and she said chummy you're chummy. old as shit <laughs> Or maybe I'm British. Um, she said in his voice, she heard the total devastation. Like, I mean, that's a lot to process on a Nokia cell phone. Like, that's just a lot. Those things were bulletproof. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, Ki- the sound wasn't great. Oh, no. He's probably like, wait, what did you say? What did you say? But so, and she's a good friend. You know, I think she was a good friend to Lydia through all of this, too. Trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, even though she her, like, spidey senses were like, mm. So she lets Charlie like reason it out because he wants to like talk about it. And I don't know if it was the same phone call or a phone call later, but he was like, so I've thought about it and I think I know when things started to go bad. I know when she got distant and Kim's like, okay, well, when? And he was like, well, about six months ago when Laz, her fiance from high school died, Lydia was like, I've got to go home by myself to this. I don't think it's appropriate. It's like not appropriate to bring my husband to my ex-fiance's funeral. 
like I've got to make the trip back home. I don't know, six to 10 hours, whatever it was by myself. And it's just, I I need to do this by myself. And Kim is floored. Kim is, Kim's like, I'm sorry. What did you just say? And he was like, "What?" when Lazarus died, (laughs) she went to the wedding I mean, to the funeral by herself. And Kim was like, well, Lazarus has risen from the dead. (laughs) I saw him two weeks ago. I grew up with him. I've known him my whole life. He is alive and well. And Charlie loses his shit. He's like, what? So this this girl faked two people's deaths. (laughs) In the matter of like six months, probably to like, I don't know what she was doing, going to pound town with somebody instead of going to this <laughs> fake funeral. I don't know. But Kim feels really, really bad for Charlie. She's like, I don't. This is an aggressive way to get out of a marriage. Yeah, right? Just like do what everybody does and say it's not me. It's oh, wait, you. It's not you. It's me. Sorry, that's what I would say. It's not you. It's you me. Would, you would say it's not me. It's you. Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> I mean, Lydia probably should have said that at this point. That would have been better than like saying that two people were in a morgue so that she could go whore around town. I don't know. So it's aggressive. Yeah. So he thanks Kim for the information. And she finds out later that when Lydia got home, all her shit was outside. As it, it should fire. be. As it I don't know if it was be. lit on fire, if he peed on it or what, but he told her, you know, you got to go. Oh, and he peed in there somewhere. Yeah. And it's, he, it's buried. And it's apparently, not evident. <laughs> it's in there, though. She'll find it later it's on her pretty, wedding dress. It's crystallizing. So, so, like, she confessed it all, and they, like, got divorced right after that. And I think that um, Sarah and Kim – Quit speaking to Lydia. Like, I don't think you can. Not a true friend? Yeah, I don't think you can maintain that level of friendship. No, well, she also lied to them about their good friend from college. She lied to them about everything. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, awful. I think it was probably a good move to to end that friendship. So, the moral of the story? (laughs) The moral of the story is always confirm someone's dead (laughs) if they're trying to bring a date around too soon. I like it. Ask Jeeves, look at the microfiche yeah. and see if you can find Ask it. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, always go to the library. Yeah, go to the library. All right, well, that, that was should have been a mortician. Good, right? Was that a crazy story? Did I deliver? Yeah, that was Ke- You were good. so silent. It must have been great. I was captivated. That's right. All right, so Kelly, let's switch gears here. What do you have for should have been a 13-year-old boy? All right, look, this one could go on for a while, so this might be this might span multiple episodes. Mm-hmm. One of my most favorite things is my immaturity around names. And I had a friend who had a teacher in elementary school and his name was Mr. Cooch. Mm-hmm. So that's bad enough, mm-hmm. but his first name was Harry. Yikes. So Harry Cooch like, how do you take that seriously? I don't know how you do it. And it's it's a name I think of often because it's freaking hilarious. It is. It's great. And very immature. Why wasn't he a gynecologist? I, I don't Why know. He, he chose the wrong profession. Stupid. And then Bill told me, I don't know if I can reveal this is from Bill, but it is. His elementary school classmate, her name was Sandy Dick. Like, 
Ouch. Why would you do that to your child? I mean, maybe they were into exfoliating. (laughs) I mean, I have so many in the vault of names. I'm going to give you two this episode, and then you're going to be on the edge of your seat for the ones that come up next. All right. It has to do with dick. It has to do with whacking off. I mean, there's a lot of things. (laughs) Okay. Well, I can't wait, Kelly. Amazing. Maybe a Johnson. We don't know. That's right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can't wait. I- I'm I'm here for it. You you can do 13 year old boy bad names forever. Okay, so listeners, force listeners, if you have a mortician story, send it in. Let's hear it. Next week is a new episode. Always something original coming out of this thing. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, all the things. Get us to the 1,000 listens so we can bring on everybody's favorite lesbian, Haley. Until next time, bye, lovers. Bye, y'all. Stay awkward.